Welcome to the RN to Writer show where we help nurses and other clinicians become freelance writers. I'm your host, Elizabeth Haynes. I'm a nurse and a former six for freelancer. And today I help other nurses like our guest Ruth become successful freelancers too. Before I get started, don't forget to expand the description box on YouTube because we'll have links to anything I might mention in this episode. But now let's Let's welcome Ruth Milky. She is an RN and a certified nurse midwife. She has 22 plus years of experience as a midwife and additional years in labor and delivery. She also has a BA in psychology, a BS in nursing, an MS in nursing, and is a doctor of nursing practice. Very impressive. No wonder to me you're getting buried in work with those credentials. Anyway, Ruth started her freelance health and wellness writing business in January of 23. She now has multiple publications, has established her LLC, has a great LinkedIn presence, which I think is important, and I'm excited to hear about that. And today, we're going to talk about a little bit about Ruth's journey so far, and then we're going to talk about how to deal with some of the issues she's having surrounding being as successful as she has been. So welcome, Ruth. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's a privilege to be on your show. Oh, thank you. So I know you're very active in our private community, the Success Society, and on LinkedIn, and people are very inspired by your success. Would you just take us on a little journey of how you got started and you've made great progress in a short time? We'd all love to know how you got there. Sure, I'll I'll do my best. Um, it started by browsing on Facebook one day and coming across an ad to um, RN to Writer. Um, and I'm like, hmm, I can write. I always was a very good writer in school and had instructors tell me I should write, um, but it, nothing I had ever pursued. So I clicked on the ad and that was the first step. I took in a very abbreviated um, ebook course. And I'm like, I can do this. And so I signed up to get paid well to write course. And, and that was in January. Um, and I dove in head first, I established my LLC within the first few weeks, um, set up a LinkedIn profile, I had never been on LinkedIn, didn't know how it worked. I just thought it was for finding jobs. Um, so that was a whole experience. Um, but I have found it um, to be one of my greatest assets for my business is being active on LinkedIn. Nice. Worked my way through the course. Um, was lucky to have an in for a nonprofit. Um, a friend of mine who works at a nonprofit um, that is all for pregnancy, which is my niche. Um, and so I was able to get writing samples pretty quickly. Um, but they're very different writing samples than I actually do. They were social media posts, uh, but kind of long educational posts. And then one evening I was sitting on the couch again on my phone, browsing um, LinkedIn this time instead of Facebook, and saw an editor for a large health publication um, asking for of various people to write on a series she wanted to do, an essay series. Um, and one of the points of view she wanted was from a healthcare provider. 
and it was on a sensitive topic, but it was something I was very familiar with. And I'm like, doesn't hurt. I'm going to throw my name in the bag. So I told my husband, I need 10 minutes to go to do something on my computer. Sent her a quick reply. She wanted like a brief outline of what I would discuss in the essay. Popped that off to her. Within a day, she wrote back and said, I'd love to have you write this article, this essay. Um, so that's where it started. Um, and that piece actually still hasn't been published. <laughs> that was back in March. <laughs> Welcome to freelancing, everyone. <laughs> but I just got the news that um, she has to go ahead to continue with her series. Um, it was put on hold for various reasons, um, and it will be moving forward. So of all the things I've written so far, that first piece is actually one I'm most proud of. Um, being an essay, it's very different than clinical education content, which most of my other writing is. Um, and after that project, she was super happy with it and said it was like far above her expectations. Um, so I got a review from her and put that on LinkedIn. Um, and she, on her own, agreed to um, pass on my name and information and CV and to some of her colleagues. Um, and one of them was within the same company, a different department. Um, and several months later, I blindly got an email from them. We have an assignment for you. Didn't even ask if I wanted it, just assumed I did, I guess. Um, but yeah, it all started by answering that LinkedIn call for, for an essay. It sounds to me, as I'm listening to you, that you have a natural knack for marketing. Do you feel that way about yourself? Um, I don't think so. I think it's, I, I seems it comes pretty naturally, I guess, but I don't know that I have a knack. Um, it's just, just being human, just trying to connect with people, tell them how I can help them. It's not about me. It's look, I have a special skill set, special education that can benefit you. That will give a lot of clout to what I say, what is written. That is it. 100% though, just relationship building. I was thinking like when you said you immediately asked for a testimonial, that's something that a lot of, I would say, beginning writers, they feel shy about doing it or they don't know to do it. And you just naturally did that immediately, which is super smart. But like you said, it's all about the relationship building. That's what we do. That's something that I try to emphasize in like our sales material for our writer is this doesn't involve high pressure sales tactics or trying to get people to buy your stuff on your Facebook page or whatever. This is about relationships with people that we provide a valuable service for. And you've done a great job of taking that mindset and just carrying it through. I don't think I would usually ask for the first thing I write for them for a review, but it was a one-time kind of long project. Um, and I needed it. And so I was like, the worst you can say is, no, I don't know you well enough, but you don't know oh, if you don't try. Exactly. Um, I would have just very politely, well, thank you so much and move on, you know, but, but then the next um, publication I wrote for, I waited till I'd written four or five articles that they were very happy with and then asked for them mm -hmm. for a testimonial. And that is fine too. And what I love about this part of your story is it shows that you can design your business and run your business how you want to as a nurse in ways that feel comfortable to you. You can ask for that first 
review or testimonial, or you can wait till you have several pieces and then do it if it feels more comfortable then. Like there's no right or wrong way to do this. You just, in, I mean, our interwriter provides a framework in our courses to help shorten the learning curve. But nonetheless, some of this is, I'm just going to throw spaghetti at the wall. I did that. I didn't feel comfortable doing it. I'm not going to do that again. Maybe I'll try it this other way. And then that works too, you know, and both of the ways you tried this worked, which is very interesting too. Well, I think it's um, taking each situation and evaluating it independently. Um, what worked for the first one, I don't think would have worked for the second. With the first one, I had had a lot of communication with that editor um, in writing this essay. So we had quite a bit of rapport. Where the other one, the next one, very little, you know, very brief communication, just very focused on the assignments. Um, so I think it depends on each situation what's, what's likely to work. Yes, absolutely. But again, that's that relationship building stuff. You know, we talk about having clients, getting clients, but our clients are human beings. <laughs> They're people who sit behind a desk with titles like content marketing manager, right? And so each individual person is different. So like you said, you you take people as they come and you work with them based on their personality and what they like and don't like. And that's how we move this along. But you know, a lot of that is like nursing. You go in a room, you have 30 seconds to develop rapport with a patient and their family. And they come from all walks of life and all education and all personalities and trying to read that room and make that quick connection. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now I know whenever we have, um, I say about our students like yourself, I always say results not typical. I mean, we have students who come out of the gate super fast sometimes. You were one of those people. And sometimes I get asked by other people in our programs, like, there's something, does she have some secret sauce, some background that has enabled her to do this more rapidly? And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't even think that. I mean, you're not like working 50 hours a week on your business or something, are you? No, um, I I work eight to 12 hours a week, but that right. is intentional. I don't plan to do this full time. I have small children. Um, the full intent is to do this part time. Nice. I love hearing that because um, to me, being a freelancer, again, is all about you know, the title of our ebook is Design Your Dream Career as a Nurse Writer. And to me, it's all about whatever your dream means to you, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and that's the beauty of it. You can have a lot of different permutations of the same career. <laughs> exactly. I, I tell people all the time, we talk a lot about money and how much money a person can make. And you can do it in part-time hours. My story's out there everywhere. I did $100,000 and I never worked more than like 24, 30 hours a week max. But what surprises people is when I say, but I didn't become a writer for the money. That was not my motivation at all. I became a writer for the free time. Like I figured out I can spend two or three hours a day max in the office and then leave and go to all the other stuff I love doing, whether it's being with your children or, you know, whatever it is. I always well, say I'm fundamentally like lazy. So... <laughs> That's something I've had to learn is set my designated hours and then leave it alone when I'm not. 
Um, though I will say I do in between, like when it comes to mind, I'm like, oh, I didn't send that invoice. I'll pop on and do it. But as far as my actual writing, I have designated times when I'm not interrupted. Um, I do think that it's hard for some nurses, especially high achieving nurses like yourself, who have multiple degrees and you work as a nurse practitioner and so on, to dial that down because that that sort of type A-ness doesn't always work well right? as a freelancer. And in fact, with my private coaching clients, I often am saying, no, no, I want you to only do four hours a week or something. And they're like, what? It's difficult to dial that down. But really, because it's relationship building, I do think people get better results from having set hours like what you're doing and then leaving it behind. Let it go. I always say there's no such thing as a content emergency. <laughs> no, I just um, I'm, came back a week ago from being in France for two weeks and I literally left everything behind. I mean, I had met all my deadlines, had not taken assignments during that time. I got on LinkedIn maybe twice just so I didn't disappear, <laughs> but that was it. Um, and it was wonderful to just be able to set it aside and have that time. Well, I'm so glad, Ruth, to hear that you're yeah. you're out there living my best life. That's a that's my dream too, to freelance from overseas. But we also wanted to talk about because I I just am going on too much because your story is fascinating. But you did also want a little coaching about like what do you do? And most nurse writers reach this point eventually, whether it's early or later or whatever, where I've now got so many what we call inbound leads. Like I have assignments coming through my LinkedIn or through my email that I didn't even have to go out and get, but I have a volume of them. And how do I manage that? Correct? Mm -hmm. um, not just that, but something you talked about in the Get Paid Well to Write course was that you should constantly be marketing. But I feel like right now I have three clients that I get regular work from every month. And that's about all I want. Mm -hmm. And so how do I market? But then if something comes, I'm like, oh, but sorry, I can't take your job, even though I asked for it. <laughs> I love this question. I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite questions to come up in coaching. How do I market when I don't have bandwidth to take something on? And so the question I would ask you is, I know you have three clients right now. Do you think that there aren't three better clients out there? That is a good way to look at it. One of them, no, I she's excellent. <laughs> the other two, there probably are ones that pay better. Um, one of them, I already asked for a raise and they gave me a 25% raise for what I was writing because they were so happy. Nice. Um, they're also very easy to write for. I never get mm -hmm. edits. Um, the content is stuff that I know very well. I know where to find my resources. So there's, even though may, they may not be the highest paying, they also are quick to write for. Those are all really important considerations. So I'm okay. glad that that's part of your equation for figuring out who do I want to work with. So back to your question though, of not even necessarily how do I market if my bandwidth is full, but why, why do I market? And what I would say is the reason you want to keep marketing, though, is because you don't know that there might not be another client 
that not only pays much more than what you're making, but is equally easy to work with. Like we talk sometimes about opportunity cost, which for those who don't know, well, you can go look up our other podcast on this, but opportunity cost is basically the opportunities you miss out on because you made this choice over here. So there's always opportunity cost in freelancing. I'm working with client A, so I, and that means I can't work with client B, so I'm missing out on that, right? That's normal. But if we're, if we're over here working for these clients, there could be better opportunities that meet all of your criteria or exceed all your criteria that we will never know about because we're not marketing. And so the way to do it is still invest in marketing because now you're in the catbird seat. Now, if your marketing yields uh, a favorable response from someone, you don't feel desperate for work. You don't feel any pressure to work with them. You can make them jump through your hoops, uh, fill out your creative brief, get on a, a phone call, see a Zoom, see if you feel like they're a good fit. What's their project about? Is it interesting? And does it pay enough in your mind? Like you don't bring this up to the client, but you're thinking to yourself, does this pay enough for me to want to leave one of my existing clients? And if it does, you don't have to leave your existing client. You can say to this new client, you know, what I always said to them was, I always like to have a date before I get married. Like, so I want to do a test project and make sure that we do work well together, make sure everybody's happy with it. And then we can talk about ongoing work if that's what they want. If it all works out and you have ongoing work, then you can politely say, thank you, but I'm done with you to the older client. Mm -hmm. And now you have potentially more money, still a low PETA factor, um, and maybe you can write it even faster so you have more free time. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. And I think that's pretty much what I've done. I've turned down a couple of opportunities because the current clients I had weighed out more favorably. Absolutely. I call this technique trading up clients. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that is the key for anyone out there who's watching or listening who does want to become a six-figure writer. To me, the key is trading up clients regularly, like constantly evaluating the clients you have so that you can do exactly what you did, Ruth, when new clients approach or you get um, a favorable response to an LOI or something. You can really weigh out, is it worth potentially leaving this client for that one? Should I trade this client in for that one? It's like, let's make a deal. Do I want what's behind door number two? Do I want to keep what I have? Um, but it's a great position to be in, you know, rather than when you're starting out and you feel like, oh, I don't want to take this, but I need to because nobody's paying my mortgage. Although you're doing it part-time, so you're not really in that camp anyway. The income is nice to have for sure, but I'm not dependent on it. So I do feel a little less pressure probably than some people. All right, I'm going to throw a question at you that we didn't talk about in advance, which is what words of wisdom would you have for other nurses who are thinking about freelancing or even who are in the Get Paid Well to Write program who may not be 
succeeding as rapidly as you are um, or who are just thinking about whether or not they should even investigate this, what would you say to them in terms of whether it's worthwhile to look at or how they could proceed more rapidly if that's their goal? I definitely think it's worth looking at. Um, I think everybody needs to take inventory of their own skills and abilities. Um, it's not complicated writing, but you do need to be able to write and use grammar and use a word processor and those types of things um, and be able to do research and know what good sources are. Um, so take inventory and make sure you have what you think is needed. And if not, look into areas to brush up on those. Um, as far as moving faster or su succeeding, um, for me, one of the biggest things we've touched on it before has been LinkedIn. I have actually, I've sent LOIs and um, had very little success with LOIs. Uh, maybe it's the type of clients I'm reaching out to, I'm not sure. Um, but I've had great success with LinkedIn. Um, I'll find a publication I want to write for and scour LinkedIn for editors or project managers or anything along those lines, and then send them a personalized connection request, just saying who I am. Basically, I'll say, um, I'm a health and wellness freelance writer with 22 years experience as a nurse midwife and my doctorate degree, because I think just showing you're well-educated um, and um, I am something along the lines of um, just letting you know I'm out there, not those exact words, um, but really interested in pursuing a collaboration with you if the opportunity arises. Something short in your introduction, but so you're not sending a blind connection request. Um, that's, that's very interesting to me that you're actually sort of pitching them in the connection request yeah. and having good results from it. That is great data for everyone who's listening out there because there's a lot of controversy about whether you should or shouldn't do that. Very again, short, like, oh. nothing specific, not like, you know, hire me right now. Um, right. But just, I'm available. This is what I specialize in. Um, and then if they accept my connection requests and don't respond, a couple of weeks later, I'll send them, and I keep track. Um, a couple of weeks later, I'll send them another one. Like, I saw your article of such and such on LinkedIn. Um, something I liked about it. Um, my latest article on Healthline or wherever just came out. Here's a link. Um, any opportunities to work together? Like something, some some new information, something new, um, but follow up with them. But so many times it's been the first like connection with them. Um, one magazine I write for, I couldn't find editor, but it's a small company, and I found the owner and reached out to her, and she put me in touch with their editor. Um, so there you go. I, I hope that people who are in the programs are listening to this and how there's no need to get hung up on who's the exactly correct person to send an LOI to. There is no exactly correct person. Pick a likely person, be polite, be nice, yep. be transparent, you know, and just um, go with it, you know. And I was going to say, clearly, you should be teaching our programs, obviously. <laughs> Because you're doing it exactly according to the book, at least our book. Give me a few years. <laughs> well, gosh, Ruth, I really appreciate having you on today. Thanks so much for taking some time out. I know everybody is going to be 
super interested in this episode. I know that there were so many great takeaways that you offered up. It's really generous of you to support and help your fellow nurses who are also pursuing this <laughs> instead of viewing it as a competition. I really appreciate that. And yeah, anyone is welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn if they have any special questions after this podcast or anything like feedback I can give. I'm I'm trying to be approachable. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And to everyone who's watching or listening, thank you for tuning in. Once again, on YouTube, don't forget to expand the description box to get links to everything we talked about today. Uh, we're always happy to chat with you about freelance writing. And if you prefer audio, you can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Until the next time, I'm your host, Elizabeth Haynes, and keep pitching.